What did I say? Welcome back to the Braincast Season 2. This is Season 2. I'm I'm messing with you, man. I'm messing with you. I'm getting in your head. It's too early for that. It's too early for that. It's like, this is the first episode has barely begun. We literally just started. And I can't can't have you doing that. (laughs) Can't have you doing that. Fair enough. Anyways, welcome back, everybody. We are picking up where we left off with awesome talk about board games, the mechanics, the deep dives, the wonderment that is board games, the manufacturing side. What else am I forgetting that we talk about? Uh, Opinions. Opinions. Sometimes we got opinions. Analysis of games. We're bringing it all. We try, yes. We try to bring it. (laughs) I hope you guys missed us. We missed you. We missed you so much. So much. So Don't leave much. me alone in a room with him. <laughs> Anyways, so we've started 2023 with our first episode about 3BG. And I wanted to let everybody know where we were as a company going to be starting off in 2023. And the big thing that I wanted to announce is that in April, we will be starting our Kickstarter for our latest game, Monster Match Grand Prix. Yes. And... It's going to be a doozy, folks. It's a great game. If you love Mario Kart and you love monsters, this is just basically a sandwich. And who doesn't love sandwiches? (laughs) Sandwiches are the best. (laughs) Sandwiches are the best. But it's a delicious sandwich, and you're going to enjoy playing this. But don't eat the game. It's not edible. The the game is not edible. It's not an edible game. Did you want to touch upon Monster Mash real quick? Sure. Uh, Monster Mash Grand Prix is basically, you know, you have... uh, this small town that has been able to build monsters for quite some time. And so they finally put it to proper use and decided to hold races. There is history that we will be delving into in the lead up to the actual Kickstarter. Um, But for the most part, you have a track one of four and you basically build monsters and race them around that particular track. And whoever crosses the finish line is the winner. So that's if you're doing single-player mode. If you're doing Grand Prix mode, then basically you do all the tracks, and you keep track of who finishes first, second, and third, and they score points. And whoever has the most points at the end of the fourth race is the winner. Simple enough. Yeah. I was like, I no need to make things too complicated. And that's why I think it's, it's, an, it's a beautiful amalgamation of Mario Kart and Monsters, you know? Everybody loved Mario Kart. I loved Mario Kart. I didn't even play video games that much, and I always loved playing Mario Kart. And you were it, the Yoshi man. I was the Yoshi man. You couldn't. <laughs> I loved him so much. Uh, you couldn't even like it. Even kind of adopts some of those same kind of, um, I would say, capabilities of the people to dislodge others from the course, to slow them down, to hamper them in any way. So I think it's it's a great kind of um, quality that you can bring to a board game. It's kind of missing in most board games where that sort of like video games don't transition well to board games usually. Not really. And so I think it's, even though it's not actually a Mario Kart board game, this has some of that same feel to it. And I think that's, that's a really important feature that a a lot of people will like. Yeah. There, there are games that are, uh, that just don't translate as well if they're video games, but I felt like this was simple enough to where it's just like you're racing around a track and then sometimes you can just, take a hit and get off the track and let's face it that 
when you, when that happens, you just build a new monster. I was like, your monster back. just falls apart. Yeah, at that it point. just falls apart. It's like that's so, a hell of a trick, right there. Yeah, it's like, boom. but oh, but oh. the good news is though that it's it seemed like it was simple enough to where it would translate well to a board game. And this is one of those games where it is a little bit of take that you know you are targeting other people specifically, um, but it's not really like offensive. Yeah, uh, take that because there are some games where. You it becomes personal. You, it becomes personal. You yeah. do that, and then uh, basically that throws you off for the rest of the game. But you know, if you properly balance it and have a monster racing on the track, well, you know, getting enough parts for your next monster, you could literally be down just for like one turn, and then just hop right back on the track. And so, you know, I think that really, really helps to the fact that you know there is a little bit of aggression and take that but it's not going to be too over the top because there are ways where you can just hop right back on the track yeah and you know uh going back to that personal thing you know you want people to have fun yeah and in mario kart always well i guess 99 percent of the time it's all about fun people, people were Sometimes having fun yes people take it a little personally <laughs> but that's a little hard to, yeah, you can't that, stop everybody yeah uh, that, that i feel like that depends more on the person yeah, than on, on the yeah. thing but mario kart you know they didn't start out being like we're gonna make this personal yeah you know? so it's all about having fun so yes. So look for that in April. In April, yes. But if you guys want more information on that, we have a newsletter that you guys can sign up for. We'll be putting regular updates on on the MMGP in there. Uh, you can also follow. We'll have a lot of, I guess, social media posts on our Instagram and Facebook about the game as we start heading towards that Kickstarter. So we're going to start ramping up here. You're going to start seeing a lot more information about it. But if you guys want, you know, an even, I guess, closer look at it just hit the newsletter and we'll be sending that information out yeah and and uh you know you touched upon social media we will be posting on social media uh in the lead up to the kickstarter as well as every now and then we'll just drop some information and stuff Uh, we're trying to explore the world a little bit more uh of monster mash grand prix so i guess just keep an eye out for that i believe we still do uh monster mash mondays on uh, our facebook and Instagram. And, yeah, we do the Monster Mash where you get to kind of know the monsters that are going to be in it. We're actually going to try and bring a little bit more information on on playthroughs and and how the game is set up and stuff like that. So you'll start seeing a lot more information. So you guys keep an eye out for that. All right. So that was the main thing that we're going to have for this year. We're going to be looking at trying to hit a couple events as well. Uh, Jonathan, you, you hit Philly in 2022, the end. Yes, yes, I did. And that was... What was it? I can't remember the the convention. Oh, I thought you were gonna say, and that was good, bad. <laughs> oh, uh, the name it, of the convention. It was, it was Pax Unplugged. Pax Unplugged. That's yeah. right. In the city of brotherly love. That's right. It was definitely the city of brotherly love, except for when you were in traffic. Then it was definitely there was no love there. There was no love there. Absolutely none. But for the most part, it it went well. Uh, I was able to demo the game to a couple people, uh, get a couple playthroughs uh, going and stuff like that. The convention center they had it was humongous it was so big that how big was it it was (laughs) i I can't say that on this podcast (laughs) but but anyway there is a like a, a whole second floor that had all of the convention stuff and then there was also the first floor where the unpublished section was so I mean, we weren't even on the same floor as the main lobby of the a convention. That's how big it was. Good grief. Yeah. And so 
it was it was interesting because you know in that section there was a lot more it was a lot more low key you know there was a board game library there was a retro board game library you know they had the classics like Candyland uh Sorry Checkers things like that uh, and then they had just a regular game library with like more classics and stuff like that. And then they had, you know, learn to plays for certain games for D- Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. So it was actually pretty interesting because like in this little section, in this little nook of the gaming convention, you felt like there was more, this was more like, you know, traditional like board gamers and stuff like that. Whereas upstairs, it's like anything goes, you know, not that I'm, you know, ragging on the main convention or anything like that. It was like impressive. It was super impressive. Mm-hmm. So overall, I would say the experience was very, very entertaining. Uh, it was very eye-opening for me because this was like my first real convention. Mm-hmm. So it was, it, I definitely had a good time. I was overwhelmed, especially on the first day. I was doing my best, uh, but I was so thrown off that I, I couldn't even find the right place I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to set up right here and then we'll see what happens. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't until like an hour later, no one had stopped by or anything like that. Cause I mean, the, the convention floor was just so busy. I was looking at the map and I was like, I'm not, there's, there's more than one floor. So I packed up everything real fast and I headed over to the section I was supposed to be in. And I was only there for like 45 minutes left of my my block, my designated block. So I, it was it it throws you off, especially when you're not familiar with that kind of stuff. So yeah. I would say it's only uphill from here, um, in terms of you know going out to convention, another convention, and you know being able to really assess how things are. Yeah, because we've been to a couple, but they were nowhere near that size. So yeah, they were they were more for like prototypes, you know. Yeah. It was usually like one little room and stuff like that in a convention center, but the convention center itself wasn't open. Yeah. So this was the first time where the convention center was actually open and full, and then there was also a designated section for where I was supposed to be. So it was it was it was intense, but it it was a good time. Good. Good. Yeah, so hopefully we can hit a couple more of those this year, uh, you know, after the Kickstarter. Hopefully if it funds, we'll take the the prototypes out, get a little bit more people to kind of see what it's all about. And then if, you know, we need a second run of it, you know, because people even more like uh, like it even more, then we'll kind of go from there. So a lot of, lot of exciting things we're going to touch upon um, in the year for us as a company. We're also going to try and, you know, hit a couple of things here in the podcast. So we're going to try... A, try our hand at a couple of different things so stick with us throughout the whole year to kind of see what we're getting up into and well that sounded wrong uh <laughs> or did it sound right oh, it's not right <laughs> it sounded no, no, wrong. just wrong i hope you guys uh, <laughs> hope you guys uh kind of enjoy our adventures and uh just stay with us don't go anywhere <laughs> So for this 3BG episode and in case anybody doesn't remember what 3BG stands for I'm sorry if you can hear my dogs. Uh, <laughs> it's build a better board game. That's right. We build better board games. So, and when we shorten it down, it says we get tired of saying build a better board game all the time. PBBG. Uh, PBBG or 3BG. So in this episode, we're going to be looking at action systems. So Jonathan, kick us off. What are we hitting? What, are, what is this mechanic or system that we are going to be looking at? This non-mechanic mechanic, I like to call it. Oh, that's not confusing. <laughs> 
That's that's what we're here for. We're here to make things confusing as possible, right? No, we're not. Nope. No, nope. is that not us? No, nope, that's not, not us. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's somebody else. That's that's okay. That's their job. Got it. All right. So for this particular uh, 3BG episode, we're going to be digging into action systems. And for those that aren't familiar, action systems are basically games that say you have three actions. Do these things. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why it's not really listed on. Uh, Board Game Geek as a mechanic is because technically it's not a mechanic. But one of the reasons why I decided to add it to our mechanic episode is because of the fact that I didn't really see it as an opinion piece. You know, there wasn't, it didn't really feel like there's anything controversial. There's like one or two questions, but we'll just bring that up here. Could say analysis, but I feel like ana- analyzing a system is basically the same as analyzing a mechanic. Mm-hmm. So I just figured we'll just put it in mechanic because I feel like the analysis really delves into why games use this. Uh, so I feel like that's that's a yeah. separate conversation. Well, that's a that's a little bit of a deeper dive into the particular mechanic that you're kind of looking at in the games. And since this is more of a broad type of look at the what, system in general, uh, the system in general, which is also another kind of broad view, it seems like it would fit here perfectly. So okay, makes sense. Yeah, that's that's why I did that, but. Uh, essentially action systems are games that utilize action points, uh, in order to facilitate players turns with their own time limit. So a couple of examples of this would be, um, Eldritch Horror, which was done in 2013 by Nikki Valens and Corey Knizia. Uh, The Bloody Inn, which we've played before, uh, that was done in 2015. A fan favorite, if you will. Yes. It was done by Nicholas Robert. Or Nicholas Robert. Robert. Because I think it's a French game. Pandemic, Arkham Horror, Fury of Dracula, or a couple other ones that use uh, action point systems. But essentially, the whole point is you have you can use this to simulate the idea that you're running out of time and don't have the ability to finish everything that you want. So, Or it could just be a way to uh, keep the game paced. Mm-hmm. You know, you can only do so much and you can't take unlimited amount of turns or anything like that so that's mostly what action systems do Mm -hmm. so the question becomes you know is that a good idea or a bad idea and why it might be either of those Um, and before we dive into that there are also what i like to call subsets of action systems so there's a singular action point system where you only have one action on your turn and then there's a variable action point systems where basically you play until you can't. And so we'll dive into that a little bit later on. So most games, wouldn't they technically be like an action point? Like a single action point? Like if you if you were playing, playing Candyland, right? And you roll the dice and you move your piece or something. Isn't that a single action? So what would be the difference there? So it technically could be construed as an ac- action system. It's just you would only be taking one action, and that action is to move. Right. So that's why it's a little bit different when I say it's an action system, because usually it involves multiple actions. Mm -hmm. I say usually. Now, I feel like this is really emphasized depending on how you are actually playing the game. If When I say action system, normally I say that in terms of the fact that you have multiple actions that you as a player can do, and then you have like a little menu of actions you can perform. So it's sort of like a pick and choose. So that's why you could technically call Candyland an action system, because even though you're only doing one action, but when I say action system, I usually mean 
you have a menu of options and you can only choose a certain number. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. So for in the example of Candyland, you could do like an action system if whenever you roll the die, instead of just moving, you could either move or draw cards depending on the number you rolled or do this other specific action. But you can only roll the die once. So technically, it could be an action system because you can do multiple actions, but you only can choose one of them. I'll be honest. Candyland was a bad example because I can't remember how to play Candyland. <laughs> so that was the first name that it was the first game that popped into my head. So I was like, Candyland, of course. Candyland, of course. And then you're explaining. I was like, crap, I shouldn't have picked Candyland. <laughs> I should not have picked Candyland. Because I can't even remember how to play it. So, Gosh, it's been so long. I think yeah. Candyland's, you basically roll a move and do the, whatever it says on the actual space. I think it's one of those uh, games that you do a space action. Yeah, and then I was thinking, I was like, oh, and then, you know, you kind of go up the ladder. So I was like, nope, that shoots and ladders. Yeah, and I, was that's like, a, I was wondering if that, because actually that's the first thing that I thought of when I thought of Candyland is I was yeah. thinking of shoots and ladders too. I was like, crap. <laughs> so then I was like, I'm definitely not remembering the game. Okay. Right? So. so, I mean... Honestly, most of those games from that time period, you really could. It was basically just rolling moves. Yeah, that's that's all it was. It was it was about you have dice and you or you have a spinner like in life where you used to just kind of spin the thing and yeah. then it would get in. You would have only a certain number of moves that you could do, and then you received a, and I guess um, not an action, but there was a consequence like a. It would tell you what to. It do. would tell you what to do. You know, move up plus this many points, whatever. So. That's kind of the standard it was back then, back in the old days. Back in the days of your, when in the dark age of the of gaming. Yeah, for us anyways. For us anyways. <laughs> for us anyways. Uh, regardless, so let's talk about some of the pros of using something like an action point system. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I thought of uh, when using an action point system is that you could it helps increase strategy mm-hmm. in your game because. It gives you a lot of options uh, and how to go about finding the best plan to utilize those options. We'll use the Bloody Inn as an example. So in the Bloody Inn, you can do multiple actions, but you only get two turns to perform an action. Mm -hmm. So it's up to you how you want to best go about performing these actions in order to maximize your return on investment. You know, for those of you that are unfamiliar with the Bloody Inn, uh, what happens is you are all owners of a hotel. And so guests come in uh, during two seasons. And what happens is if they spend the night, they give you a franc, you know, because uh, like I said, I think it's based in, Fran- in France. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go about their way. Or you could try and kill them in order to get as much money from them as possible. Mm-hmm. Or... You could try and bribe them to join your little, uh, I want to say click, but that's not right. It's yeah. like a posse. It's, it's I, like, I, I would say posse is a better way to describe it. But it's kind of weird because you bribe them and, you know, for the cops, you can bribe cops, which yeah. is kind of cool, and use them to murder people. But then it's kind of like you then bribe a person, if I remember correctly, and then you can convert them. Yes. So, so the way so that's kind of a weird because they're no longer part of the posse. There's some sort of house. They're that, down there. Yeah, house. They're a house that you put bodies in. So, so kind of, if you uh. if you if you look at it that way, it, it does it does it is a little bit silly. But yeah. that's just because that's a, that's how we know it because that's the first way I described it is that yeah. they turn into a house. Yeah. But basically, they're helping you build that establishment, 
And so once they've done that, then they leave. Mm-hmm. And they're, what's left is what they help build. Yeah. So they don't turn into a house, even though it's just funny to imagine it. Well, I mean, you get the, the baker or something, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to bribe you, or the priest, and you go, uh, I want you to hold bodies now. So I convert you. I, can, like, I will convert you okay, into... it's kind of weird. Yeah. So, but how you go... Basically, you, can, you try and maximize your profits, and then uh, you can launder money because you can only hold so much money at a time. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, and of course, if you have like bodies in play and there's a cop, you know, you either have to get rid of that cop or you're going to take a m- big penalty. Yeah. Because apparently back then, this is like 1800s, uh, they didn't believe in taking you in unless they got a cut of the money. Apparently not in this scenario. Anyways. It was, it was, it was a bad, there were bad times back then. Yeah. That's one way to help increase uh, strategy in your game is to do an action point system and you know you have to do like five or six different things in order to succeed but you can only do two of them at a time yeah and sometimes depending on how your other player how your other players strategize it might throw off your strategy you know if there's a cop in play and you're like oh i really need to get rid of that cop and so you start planning to try and get rid of that cop but someone else needs to get rid of that cop you know, you can try and work them a little bit and be like, hey, you take care of that cop and I'll, you know, hide that body for you or something like that. And I really do feel like that's what really action point systems can help do uh, in certain games. Uh, now, that's not necessarily true for a game like Eldritch Horror. There isn't any sort of like negotiating or anything like that. You just have to do a million things and you only have basically two actions uh, to do it. Well, I'm glad there that because when we've played this... Um there's not more options because what we have is enough. <laughs> and like you're saying, there's, there's plenty of options there and negotiating is one of them, but it, you, you definitely have to think about that strategy. And, and maybe this is where a, a downside might be is because you can either a focus too much on strategy or B you can have, since there's only a few options, you get stuck trying to figure out what you're going to do because the turns they go by like that. There's, it, it's just gone. And then you're like, I've got four bodies. Like there's times where we've had four bodies out on the table and we're like, and six cops just arrived into the hotel. And you don't have enough you actions. Don't, you don't have enough actions. You can't kill everybody. You need everybody to be on the same page. And if one person chooses not to be, you're totally screwed. And it causes a little bit of stress sometimes. <laughs> it, Good stress, but it's still stress. Yes. Uh, so that does lead to one of the cons that I did think about for the for action systems. That it can lead to multiple mistakes if you're not focused. So there's nothing worse than whenever you're trying to do something and you made a mistake like two turns ago and it completely derailed everything you were trying to do. Because then it can really be hard to catch up. Yeah, I would definitely say that. If you get derailed, there's still a chance for you to get back up because people, people, uh, other players might make the a mistake very similar to that. But when you get derailed, you're it's hard to get back into the I guess winning, into a, a pl- position to win the game. You're like, God, you fool! Yeah, it's it's a little it's a little tough, but I think that's that's kind of what makes it a, a very exciting game with a very simple premise. It's a very simple game in terms of what they provide. You know, you get board cards and like a franc counter because that's the only way you can win whoever has the most francs. And then it's like, there there you go, 30 points, boom, done. And that's it. Very simple. 
But man, it causes some of the most stress I've ever had as compared <laughs> to some other games that are more complicated. So it's like, okay. So, and I think that leads, that's a, that's a good design. This is a very good design for this particular style and game. Um, because, you know, in the bloody inn, you do feel like you're under pressure. Uh, especially when you're, you know, committing murders in a hotel and you're trying to cover it up, you know, it, it does action systems do lend, do help with that feel. Mm -hmm. So that's why I feel like an action system works very well for the bloody end, as opposed to say something like a worker placement. It wouldn't really have the same feel, I think, Mm -hmm. because you're just like, Oh, just let me just put my workers out. No big deal. But because I have so limited options and so limited time to do it, and I know there's always going to be a cop right around the next time someone comes in. You know, it gives you that sense of pressure. So talking, so continuing with action point systems, some games allow you to utilize multiple actions over uh, and over to fit what you need. Uh, like you said, the bloody end is a good example of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, this that can be a pro. Well, no, I take that back. That is a pro. But that also almost immediately leads me to a con. And that is when games don't allow you to do that. So there are certain times uh, when you have a game that has an action point system, but you cannot repeat actions. Such as? Such as Eldritch Horror and Fury of Dracula. So I know you've played Fury of Dracula. I know it's been some time, but there are times when you have a limited menu of options, Mm -hmm. which is fine. But you can't take the same action twice. I think it was like you can't load up twice. You can't get two tickets. You can get the train ticket, and then you have to pick something else. So usually, uh, yes, you have to pick something else. You can only do one or the other, and it can be kind of limiting. That's why they do uh, train tickets. That's why you do train tickets, so you can move multiple times. Uh, And it's the same thing with Eldritch Horror. Uh, You get boat tickets, you get train tickets, so you can do two moves, but basically you can only move once, you can only rest once, you can only, like, look... uh, No, you don't investigate a site. But basically, you can only do certain things once. Yeah. And that, to me, can be kind of a problem because I feel like that artificially restricts you more so than you already need. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand it in Fury of Dracula because it's basically like three on one or four on one. Mm -hmm. So against an invisible one. Well, I mean, you are trying to find them, yes. I'm just saying. But if you can if you can run the whole map of Europe in, like, three turns, then, yeah, that could be kind of a problem. I get it. That's fair. But, you know, the... Which is, which is why I feel like it makes sense in that game. Yeah. I don't like it because, again, like I said, it artificially hampers people when I don't think that it should. Mm. And not only can you not move multiple times, but at during the night phase, you can't move at all. Yeah. And so I feel like I would be okay with if you could move multiple times during the day, but you can't move at night. And I was just like, I get it. Otherwise, I think, you know, having them move just once, maybe they maybe something bad happens to them at night or something. Yeah. But I don't feel like they should not be able to move at night. I feel like that's an artificial uh, a barrier. Well, it's an artificial barrier. And, uh, and I guess to me, it creates... It inflates the length of the game unnecessarily. When you go and say you can't move or you're restricting the capabilities of your opponents, you are, in my opinion, making the game go longer because people need to think about what they're going to do. The strategy part of it is, you know, there and they need to make sure that if they can only move once, they move in the right direction. 
And to me, that leads, there's too many times where we've, we've spent minutes discussing, you know, the strategy of the group. And we're like, okay, we're all going to kind of, you know, weave our way this way while Dracula's sitting right there. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of like, uh, that's a little unfair, but it, it also lengthens the game. You, you're creating the sense of, well, we need to do it, but if we make a mistake, it's hard to come back from that mistake. Yeah, it's it's pretty easy <clears throat> for him to slip through sometimes. Since he sees us coming. Since, <laughs> well, yeah, but remember, he can only move once. So, And we take, essentially, two actions. Uh, so, you know, we do two do- two actions to his one. Mm-hmm. So it, there's, a, there's a very finite balance for that game, but I don't think they got it all the way. Mm-hmm. It's 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 very very tricky. But action point wise, yes, it it makes sense in terms of how the game is set up, how it's played, how you can run through it. Very similar to kind of what we've been discussing, and it it makes sense for that game. Uh, I've never played Eldritch Horror, so I have no idea how it actually impacts that game. So you would have to. It's it's tricky because with that particular game, you know, you only have two actions on your turn, mm-hmm. and again, you cannot repeat actions. So I feel like. It's both good and bad because it's good because it describes back to what I first talked about. It lends uh, a sense of uh, stakes in a game. You feel like you are constantly under pressure that you're not going to be able to do everything that you need to do. You know, so it and it it's Eldritch Horror, so it's about Cthulhu. It it's about you know doom and trying to stop something and not feeling like you have enough time to do so. Mm-hmm. So it really fits for that particular game. Uh, but again, it does artificially extend the game sometimes and if you do make a mistake it can be a little bit hard to come back from it so it's but i felt overall it was still a good system to implement for that particular game Mm -hmm. i don't feel like there's any other system or mechanic that could work nearly as well and there's been a lot of cthulhu clones out there so usually that kind of system works well yeah, uh, that one or like tile laying where you're trying to explore something, you know, something that evokes a sense of mystery or hard pressed for time. Mm-hmm. Those are usually good options. So I think it works well for Eldritch Horror. There's yeah. more pros than cons for Eldritch Horror. It does, like you said, bring up a greater risk of analysis paralysis where you're just stuck looking at something and you're just like it overwhelms you a little bit, especially if you're not used to playing <clears throat> those kind of games. Yeah, uh, analysis paralysis, and you, I think when you put certain limitations, uh, because, you know, that's the way the system is, it, it can create a, a sense of frustration in the game, and you don't necessarily want that, but as long as people can understand why you're doing it, like, it makes sense for a Fury of Dracula, even though you're very limited, you know, we've talked about it, you can't, he's invisible, but he can only move once, so they limited Dracula, you know, it's it's limited on, on both sides in that game. So to make it more balanced, more balanced, but also you still have fun. You're trying to hunt down an invisible foe. You know, in reality, if you were hunting down an invisible foe, he's probably going to win. He's probably going to win. <laughs> he's probably going to win. So it, it's an attempt to to balance it by limiting both sides and saying you can only do certain things in action wise. So let's clarify. He's not actually invisible. He's invisible. <laughs> he's like, poof. <laughs> No, he's he's not invisible, but we do have to find him. It's 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 a hidden movement game. Hidden movement? Do you know why it's hidden? 
Because he's invisible. And we can't he blends, find him. Because he blends into the he crowds. And we can't find him. It's like letters from Whitechapel. You remember he that was one? invisible. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't. Where, where is Jack the Ripper on the board? He's not on the board. You can't you get, see him. You got to find him, man. It's called police work. It's called police work. Yeah. And what are they until they find him? They're invisible. They're invisible. They're invisible. Find me that way. Going back to one of the pros uh, for, and I think this brings us basically to our last uh, real pro, is that it does limit the ability to run away with a game. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't crush the other people. It doesn't crush Players. the other people. Yeah. And so far, we've really talked about uh, a lot of co-op games or semi-co-op games uh, when using the action system. Uh, the only one is uh, the Bloody Inn that we talked about that doesn't allow you to run away with a game that's competitive essentially that uses mm-hmm. an action point system. Uh, but this brings us to the uh, different point systems that I wa- I talked about earlier, the singular action point system and the variable action point system. Uh, so the singular action point system is basically games that allow you to only take one action. Uh, a good one would be foundations of Rome. Uh, another one would be ticket to ride mm-hmm. when it's played correctly. Uh, so yeah, we house, no rule. house rule. Yeah. We house <laughs> rules and stuff, but uh, those are singular action point systems and variable action point systems are games that you keep playing until you run out of actions. A good example would be Lost Ruins of Arnak. You basically play until you can play no more, even though you may have spent your workers and stuff. You can still play stuff from your hands. You can still do actions on your board. You can still draw cards, you can play still, things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, uh, and Starship Captains, which I believe is the game that I chose for our analysis mm-hmm. uh, episode. Uh, so that one, it's basically like essentially a Star Trek version of, it's basically a Star Trek board game. I take that back. It's basically Star Trek meets Flash Gordon, I believe. Because, board game. Board game. Uh, because you're going out, you're completing missions, you know, some of the missions, they look delightfully campy. I think one's called Roddenberry's. Uh, and then you're also having to fight space pirates. So, okay. you know, but that's one of those things where you can still do multiple actions, even if you've used up all of your your crew mm-hmm. to perform various actions and things like that. So, and then of course you can gain more crew at certain times to give you more actions. So, we'll be discussing that okay. uh, in the in the analysis episode. But for those particular games, those are more of a competitive nature versus the co-op nature that we've brought up uh, with Elder Tor and Fury of Dracula. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, decreasing the ability to run away with a game is especially helpful, uh, especially in games like, say, Foundations of Rome, where, you know, if you can perform multiple actions, that might be a problem if someone can really just piece the game together. There are other times in a game like Lost Ruins of Arnak where you can combo certain things and just, you know, try and take as many actions as possible. But... That is more of a compet that that can lead to a runaway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why that's why you have to be specific uh, whenever you're using an action point system mm-hmm. because the pro is it can decrease runaways in singular and uh, multiple action points. But if you have a variable action point system, that can lead to a runaway. So that's just something to watch out for. 
I don't think any of us have ever run away in the bloody end. <laughs> no, no, we, we, we've never really run away in the bloody end. Nobody, nobody's ever crushed anybody. I will say that. No, but. there's the only, the only time someone has come close to it is whenever someone has a plan for a body and it doesn't work out and they end up losing like 30, yeah. 30, uh, francs. Yeah. And like the last turn and then they'll lose by like 27 yeah. or something like that. So if they had managed to actually, have enough actions to complete that they probably would have won but that's the only time when it happens uh i have played lost ruins of arnak where someone has just they've managed to get so many resources that they essentially just made their way half up the uh, the research track Mm -hmm. uh in like one turn and so you know when you see that happen it's just like oh well i mean this game's essentially over yeah and then with with Ticket to Ride, you know, a person can run away, but you don't really know it because you are basing it on the points that they gain from the tickets. So you don't know what the tickets are. And so you can't really say, oh, well, he ran away with the game. It was like, well, you don't really know until the end. It's like, exactly. Oh, he had a 30 point. Yeah, ticket. yeah, it was yeah like, it was, it's pretty hard to uh, run away in a game that only rec- has one action per turn. Yeah. So it's. It may feel restrictive uh, in some sense, but at the same time, it also feels like it really does limit your ability to run away with a particular game. And I think that does help for games uh, that are really more, I don't want to say family friendly, but are more, that, that are less aggressive than others. Because I feel like certain games can be turned into aggressive games. Uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak being one of them. Ticket to Ride. <laughs> no, you can't say that because uh, you don't know. You don't know if they're going to run away with that game. Uh, no, but it gets stressful and that becomes... <laughs> it becomes stressful. That's your own problem, becomes, pal. That's true. That's true. There are pros and cons to these particular systems regardless of how you try and implement them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is just one of the things that we are trying to talk about whenever we talk about uh, action systems. And this is some of the things that you have to think about as a designer. You know, first, does this particular mechanic, is it a good fit for these games? Is there any of these games that we've talked about that might benefit from a different style of system? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's hard to, you know, think about it in terms of, because there's just so many mechanics and so many different ways to do it. You know, like how would Bloody In fair as a worker placement game mm-hmm. you know how would uh foundations of rome work if let's say it, you used card drafting as opposed to placing down buildings it's hard because when you look at these games they the the systems and mechanics that they use were picked for a reason usually it's because they think this is the best fit for that game this is kind of what we do you know our can you change the mechanics of one game and will it drastically alter something in a good way or a bad way? Uh, and so that's another thing that I'll probably be talking about more in depth whenever uh, I do the Starship Captains uh, episode. So uh, that's more for the analysis episodes because right now we're just talking about uh, action systems in general. What are some of the main attractions uh, of an action system game to you? I was going to say to me... I enjoy Foundations of Rome, um, and I think the single action system makes it more enjoyable because if each player was allowed to go ahead and just play all the coins that they had or take as many actions as they could in one shot, 
it would change the game drastically. It would make it so that whoever was first or whoever had the most money, like depending on how they did it, would become the most dominant and they could definitely run away with the game. So I think one of the main attractions of the system is to create almost like a speed limit on the highway, really, to say everybody's going to try and go, but sometimes you're just going to happen to go faster because, well, you're, you're lighter in the car, your car is faster. (laughs) I don't know. Something like that. It's a terrible metaphor, but you know, there will be some ways that you will find ways to go faster or do better or something like that in the game despite the speed limit. So it's okay. That's all right. So I think that's one of the main attractions for it, especially in a game like Foundations of Rome. I feel like using that metaphor, the strategy would be based on you, like the buildings that you build. Yeah, it would be the buildings you build if you're first, like in Foundations of Rome or what, whatever cars are, are there after people have already kind of picked the best spots sort of thing. You know, a little bit of it is random because the cards are, are just pulled out and you know you while you get to select it you know you don't get to pick which there could be a random card so yeah i you could I, just be out of luck and you could like be out no of luck cards yeah. next to any of your buildings yeah it, you know that's just one of the things there so to me limiting it has helped in a sense okay so i'm uh, i think that that definitely is an attraction or is a good feature of the action system same thing with Bloody Inn, where yeah. you know you are limited. I need more actions in Bloody Inn. I just <laughs> straight up. I need just more straight actions. Straight up. Let's just do three. Just can we just make just it three, three actions? Like just one more action would be enough to be like, yeah, I, I'm I'm okay. But I, that's because you're the person that usually runs away with it. You're you're actually the person that I wins that game. Could usually. I could run away with it, but there's been too many times where I've had dead bodies on my floor and. I just, I need to negotiate because, because <laughs> there's too many cops still love. That's because someone gets a little trigger happy whenever they get a, whenever they bribe a cop and they're like, oh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and see what we can do with you. I do get a little trigger happy. So, uh, I do feel like that is uh, a good attraction, uh, because it, it almost feels like it makes everything even. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could have the best strategy in the world, but because you only get one action, it's just like, well, you have as much a chance of getting that particular card as I do. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, I feel like the the limiting it is is a good idea, especially uh, in competitive games. So you don't like yeah. run away with it. If if you're trying to make it more, um, I fair. think fair. But if you're trying to make it more uh, playable for people in general, there will always be people that are better at strategy. They can think 15 steps ahead that don't even show you that they've already thought out the next 15 moves, despite what you do, you know? Um, And so if you're trying to make it more for everybody to play, including those type of people, then yeah, it it helps. I know some people that might be able to think that far ahead would be frustrated because they're like, you're completely, you know, hampering me of crushing all of these people, but go find a a different game. (laughs) So people don't like to be crushed. (laughs) That's very true. Some people do not like to be crushed. Yes, some people don't like to be crushed. So we talked about a little bit of the main attractions of uh, action point games and that uh, limiting it can make the playing field a little bit more even. Mm. What are some of the drawbacks? Well, again, limiting it is it creates frustration. You know, if you say you can only go 65 miles an hour, there's people that have cars that can go 120 easy and they go, why am I on the highway? Well, why am I here? First off, you shouldn't have bought that car if you were going to drive it. You were never going to make it 120, you know, like that. But 
it, it creates a little bit of frustration just because you you limit them they can't go it it is making the how quickly you get to a place in this metaphor long take longer you know if you could go 120 you could do it twice as fast so it it, it draws things out in the board game realm it, it does extend the playing time a little bit and again the whole analysis paralysis mm-hmm. you know you, you you limit the options maybe left or right and a person is trying to stuck there and be like if i go left i can't come back to right and so they're they're trying to wonder what is the best option and some people <laughs> can't handle that limitation only two choices which is ironic because if you give too many choices it can also lead to they get they get stuck so it's like uh, i don't know how to help you so and so uh, it's funny that you bring that up because uh it actually also leads to uh another drawback that i didn't touch on earlier uh which is called quarterbacking do you know what that is i know what a quarterback is yes (laughs) i know what monday morning quarterbacking is so essentially it's the same thing except quarterbacking happens in real time Mm. So basically, I was playing a game like Fury of Dracula, and like you said, there is a person that is able to think like four or five steps ahead, um, and is hampered by the you know action restriction. Yeah. So what they decided to do was they decided to go ahead and just start telling players how to play the game in real time. So when talking about action systems, does this trump other generic mechanics like worker placement? What do you mean by trump? So do you, is it better? Is it worse? It, is there no effect to it? Is there a reason to have an action system in place over something like a worker placement? Or is it solely relying on the game? Uh, it's got to be about the game, right? Like Bloody Inn, you brought it up earlier about the worker placement and what if what kind of vibe, or not vibe, what kind of play would that fee, would that have if you had that mechanic in there instead of the action point system? And it would be a very different game. Very, very different game doesn't mean it wouldn't be any worse or any better better it's just a very different game i think they chose the right one the action system for this game and so uh i think it, it completely works for that i mean i i've only played a couple of these so i can't say whether or not it's better or worse eldritch horror you talked about earlier maybe the action system would be different if you had a couple of other mechanics and so it might make it feel better i don't know so uh, i guess you're right in saying it's more it more depends on the game more depends on the vibe that you're going for yeah that's fair what enough. i that's what i would think anyways but yeah that's fair enough so i think that's something that we just really have to understand as designers is that just because you have one doesn't necessarily mean that the others are worse and just because you have the others doesn't necessarily mean that action systems are worse mm-hmm. it really is and that's one of the good things about game design is that it really can be tailor-made for anything. It just depends on what you want to try and accomplish with your game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are some action systems that really, really work when it comes to, you know, overall gameplay. Like I said, Eldritch Horror, it's just got such a big scope. You know, there's so much to do and things like that. Obviously, translating it into a worker placement game might be difficult. Uh, you know, a deck building game also might be difficult. But who knows who's to say that you can't try, you know, I mean, maybe something like the bloody in with a worker placement or with a, a, a die system like rolling dice uh, to complete missions or something. Maybe that has some merit. That's something for you to decide as a designer. Mm-hmm. So really, 
that's just something you have to understand is that one thing in one game doesn't necessarily make it better or worse in another game. Um, as long as they are both unique and individual games that you yourself can create. Yeah. I think it's definitely something that can enhance a game and maybe it's a little niche in the sense that it's specific to the vibe that you're going for. Um, it's not like a worker placement where you could almost put that into almost know, anything, almost any game. <laughs> Or or card management. Card management seems, you know, if you happen to have any cards of any kind, it'll card be card management, card or resource management. management that yeah. seems to be everywhere. Um, but and maybe it's a little more niche in that sense. But I agree with you. It, it's going to be depending on the type of game you're going for, and you know what kind of what kind of play you're going through. Because like we've brought up with Bloody In, it was a limiting thing, but it helped make the game better in that sense. Um, if you had all your turns at one time, maybe it wouldn't be that great. It wouldn't be as stressful, but like I said, it's a good stress. So you know. it's a happy stress. It's a happy stress. So can there be such a thing? Yes. Apparently there can. I'm not going to go into details about it, but yes. <laughs> yes. Happy stress. Happy stress. All right. Well, I think that brings uh, this particular episode to a close. Yeah. I think, I think that was kind of all the details that we wanted to jump into. Basically just introducing uh, the action system, kind of bringing it to, I guess, the forefront of the type of mechanics. It's it's an interesting topic because it's not a very specific one, but it's it's definitely something that you can find in many types of games, um, you know, in one form or another. So I think it was good for us to kind of discuss it and and let other people know what kind of what kind of mechanic or system it could be and how they can apply it into their game. And I know you're going to go into more detail in the analysis section of it. Yeah, I'm going to try and uh, talk about more how pros and cons of the action system can specifically target uh, or help or hinder uh, certain games. And the game that I'm trying to do is Starship Captains, where we'll actually take a look at how the action system works for that particular game and then go over uh, if, you know, maybe there could be a better mechanic or not and just take it from there yeah perfect excellent i think that wraps up uh our first episode for season two ah, first episode of the second season down check mark check mark that's how we do it folks well i'm glad you guys were able to join us uh for this episode we've got a lot more coming this this next season and if you guys are interested in any of what we've talked about whether it's you know hearing more of our podcasts or hearing more about monster mash grand prix you can definitely check out our website. You can sign up for the newsletter. You can see us on social media, Instagram, uh, Facebook. And if you want to hear more of our podcasts, obviously click on your Apple Podcasts if you have an iPhone or Spotify, I guess, if you're doing Android. I don't know if there's anything specific for it. Google Casts. You can see it on a number of different type of apps. What's, what's Anchor? Is that Spotify? Anchor is actually general. It can go both. Oh, okay. So... Uh, you can do I don't know the technology. <laughs> you can go to our website and you can actually listen to any of those podcasts that are listed there as well. But so there's definitely ways to hear us talk, definitely ways to find out more information about what we're going to be doing this year and what we're up to and what games we've been building. So yeah, I think that about does it. Perfect. Excellent. Well, I'm host Johnny. And I'm host Chris. And happy gaming. Happy gaming all. <laughs>